Welcome to PCI Cast, a conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. Let's hear what the team have been talking about this week. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to PCI Cast. Thank you for subscribing, for downloading us, for allowing us into wherever you are. We're very aware that uh, podcasting is a it's a chance to to share a little bit more about uh, Presbyterian Church in Ireland, about faith, and we're thankful that you're um, able to download us. Now, we have a really interesting episode to listen to here. Uh, I'm kind of in your shoes because I have no idea where we're going to go. Um, I'm here in Northern Ireland, um, your host Ben Preston, but with me is Mr. Craig Lynn, all the way out in uh, the Philippines. Craig, what are you doing Hello. out there? <laughs> well, I'm currently sitting in uh, a room in the guest house of the Summer Institute of Linguistics here in Manila, where I am listening to the Grateful Dead. But not only that, <laughs> uh, I've been here for the past 10 days visiting yeah. some projects that are translating God's word into languages that previously have had very little or haven't had any of the scriptures at all. So we're, I'm here with a couple of other teaching elders from the Presbyterian Church in Ireland um, and uh, a representative from Wycliffe as well. They're uh, head of, of um, partnership development, uh, Neil Graham, all of whom we'll hear from uh, in this episode of the podcast. Um, so yeah, so we'll do a little bit of housekeeping just before we listen to the, the interviews we recorded, Ben. Uh, we had a, a book giveaway after our last podcast episode with Richie Cronin, who's Minister of Cork and Ahada down in the Dublin and Munster Presbytery. He recommended uh, Chad Van Dixhorn's book, Confessing the Faith. Uh, and we're very thankful to our friends over at the uh, Evangelical Bookshop in Belfast for donating that copy to us and make sure to give them a shout if you're looking at book. But Ben, could you lay, would you like to tell us who has won the giveaway? I certainly will. Uh, uh, Heidi England has Hooray! won uh, the copy of the book. Heidi is a deaconess in the Presbyterian Church and uh, we can follow her on Twitter at Heidi underscore England. Uh, personal views retweet does not equal endorsement. I see a cat there in the profile picture. Very nice. Brilliant. So we have had an unexpected mix of, uh, in the last episode of drugs, politics, faith. Who knows where we're going to go in, in this one. I look forward to hearing these interviews uh, to, to find out a little bit more about the, that work of Bible translation all the way out in the, in the Philippines. And I will join you, dear listener, at, at the tail of this um, to see how we have gone. Thank you, Ben. Yes, hello. We are uh, recording this morning. This morning? It is morning still, isn't it? I, yeah, I think 9.30. Uh, our, our time clocks are so messed up um, that we, we have no idea. But it is 9.30 in the morning. We're, we're coming to you live from Manila. Uh, today we are in the Summer Institute of Linguistics guest house here in the centre of Manila and joined by um, a couple of people who I'll let introduce themselves. So, uh, who are you? Tell us about yourself. Uh, hello, Craig. Yeah, it's nice to be here. My name's Kenneth Crowe. I am Minister of Bushvale Presbyterian Church. And Bushvale is the Presbyterian Church for the village of Stranoham in County Antrim, up in the north, near the north coast. Wait, in the Root Presbytery? In the Root Presbytery, yes. Very good. And you've got a Root Presbytery brother with you here as well? Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm Alan Buick. I'm the Minister of Dundas 
Presbyterian Church just on the outskirts of Bishmills, right up on the sunny north coast. Very good. And you all know who I am, uh, Craig, Minister of, of Rathcool. Uh, men, what are... What in God's name are we doing in Manila? Why are we recording here? What are we? What well, are we here for? I think we hit the jokingly in, in the phrase "in God's name." Yes, we are here in God's name. We're we're part of a, what's called a minister's vision trip, which was is being held under the auspices of the Presbyterian Church. I saw it now advertised a long time ago in the Presbyterian Herald. That's right. But yes. I just I didn't really pay much attention to it. It was my good lady wife, Honor, who later on said to me, well, you might be interested in that trip. We can get ready for 11 days. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and I had, mine was a very similar story, just the same. It was in the Presbyterian Herald, and my wife noticed it. And you're both here as part of a, like, for your, your, your official sabbatical? We're, we're here on our sabbatical. As part of the sabbatical, we're, we're uh, doing this, uh, this trip. Brilliant. The, the Presbyterian Church does encourage its ministers to take sabbatical leave and that there's financial and administrative provision for that. Yeah, which your church pays for. and so Yeah, the congregations pay into a, yeah. a central fund for this. And really it's something that I haven't taken. This is my first proper mm-hmm. sabbatical. And so I'm my first and last. Yeah, and yet, <laughs> you have to do it before you retire a certain <laughs> number of years. And unfortunately, that's looming for us. Not uh, very far a, off retirement. You had a birthday that had a zero at the end of it there, not too uh, late. Yeah, yes, I did, yes. Uh, it, it wasn't 40, 50 or 70. <laughs> okay. Let <laughs> readers take note. Uh, very good. Um, so what is it specifically about Wycliffe? Did any of you have any, any connection with Wycliffe yeah, before? Yeah, I had um, a long-standing connection with, uh, with Wycliffe. Um, I had a friend who went... Uh, out with Wycliffe many many years ago and ever since then I've been interested and, and I get their email and their prayer requests and, and so I've continued to get that always had an interest so when this came up it seemed like the perfect opportunity to see what God was doing through uh, his uh, spreading his word in places that people don't have the opportunity I think I heard Neil uh, earlier on saying that in the Philippines there's uh, is it 100 million people Mm-hmm. I don't know, 100 odd million people, 170. and 170 different languages. So I'm, I'm quite sure that many of those don't have uh, God's Word in their own language, so that's we're here to see some of that. We're, we're visiting two language projects while we're here, both in very different contexts, so that should be good for us to, to get a bit of an understanding uh, of, of more of Wycliffe's work. What about yourself, Kenneth? Did you have any connection with Wycliffe? No, not really. I... As part of my wider sort of missionary interest, I did come across them before, but there's no personal contact. But my own interest personally is that I was a graduate in languages before I went into okay. ministry. I was, I've always been interested in languages and, and, and linguistics as part of our course at the university. So I heard you preaching the original Hebrew and Greek on a Sunday morning, is that right? Well, well not, <laughs> not quite. <I> no. <laughs> but no, just languages and linguistics has been a sort of long-standing interest of mine. And, then to, to marry that with, with God's work and the work of translating the Bible into different languages seemed the ideal opportunity to come spark. It pressed all the right buttons for me as far as a, a trip goes, so I'm excited about learning about that aspect of the work as well. Brilliant. Men, well, thank you for having a, a chat with us, and uh, yeah, thank you. That's great. Thank Appreciate you. it. All the best. Pleasure. Folks, we're joined now by Lydia and Jeremiah James. So, hi, thanks for being with us. Yeah, Could you tell us um, why are you in the Philippines? <laughs> what are you What are you doing here? 
Uh, we're working in Bible translation uh, and language development uh, for a minority people group here. Okay, what's the, the people group that you're, you're currently working with? Uh, we call them Kanu. That's a pseudonym that we use for uh, online and public communication. Okay. Um, what can you tell us about the, the Kanu community? They're really spread out uh, all over the Philippines, some in Malaysia. Um, it's a language that's still being really used in the home and uh, starting to be used more in schools. And it's a people group that's maybe 3% Christian, roughly, that's an estimate. Okay. Uh, and they have already the New Testament in their language and some portions of the Old Testament. So what we're working on is trying to get the whole of God's word into their language so that it could be used by the Christians and then also used for um, reaching the majority of the people group that don't know Christ. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how both of you guys got into uh, Bible translation and how you got into Bible translation specifically in the Philippines? What, what drew you here? What led you here? Uh, in my case, the short version is that uh, I came to the Philippines uh, for just planning for a year to teach high school as trying something new after university uh, and wound up staying for three. And while I was here, I got to know some people who were involved in this translation project. And it was through that connection that I became interested in the work uh, and applied to Wycliffe and wound up back here, uh, actually joining the team that my friends were on already. And what about you, Lily? Um, I was maybe 15 when I re like first actually realized that not everybody had the Bible in their language. And, and so if that was the case, not everybody could read it or have it read to them, which seemed like a, a big deal. <laughs> At the time, when I was 15, I think it is a big deal. So uh, at that point, I guess I, I got interested in the whole thing and didn't set my heart on it, but the, thing, the decisions that I made in the years you know, following that all came together. God brought it all together, really, to, to have me applying to Wycliffe Bible Translators to work overseas. Um, I think since then, became really convinced not only of the need for New Testaments, so there, there are a number of New Testaments out there, for, you know, but the, the Old Testament really as well, that, that it's, in a way, it, it just doesn't seem fair that, that we should decide, oh, New Testament's enough for you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's kind of one of the main passions for being involved in this particular project as well. I think in the time that we've been here in the Philippines, uh, one of the things I've noticed and really come to understand is that Bible translation is so much more than just uh, a couple of people sitting in a room and putting together uh, a translation from you know from one language into another. There's so much more work that goes on around that in terms of like linguistics and orthographics and uh, and community relations. Uh, have you guys had any role in, in that? And what does that? What does all the other stuff around Bible translation look like with the the, the project that you guys are working on? Um. Both of us are working as linguists as well as translators. Uh, so we're doing linguistics research um, to support the translation work that we're doing. It actually does more than even just support the translation too. It's beneficial to the people group mm -hmm. as a whole for them yeah. to have uh, their language documented and facts, linguistic facts of their language uh, raises its profile. Raises, even just that, its, you know. raises its status, having a Having a dictionary, having a grammar published uh, leads people to take the language and the culture more seriously. It's not just a dialect, it's not just this slightly odd sounding language, yep. it's, it's a real language, you know.
In our case, we, we've benefited from the work of our predecessors in this project who uh, did the New Testament translation, but also did a lot of really top quality research. Um, and so we've, we've piggybacked from the work that they did. Um, and it has made things far easier for us uh, in terms of learning the language and learning about the language and researching it. But we do our own research as well to improve our own understanding of the language so that we can do a better job with translation. But we're, we're really focused on linguistics and translation. There are others uh, on our team and then other co-workers, partners who are working more on the scripture engagement side, helping people to really make use of the translated scripture well in their context. Um, the literacy and education. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, and finally, just as we wrap up, can you give us maybe a few points for prayer that uh, our listeners can be, can be remembering uh, you guys and, and the, the community in? Currently, work is happening on the books of Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And Daniel is like, Jeremiah is doing a final proof, proofread for it to be sent to the printers. So okay. for that work, uh, there have been hindrances along the way. Sometimes it feels like real spiritual attack. Um, one of a few translators that we know, older, more experienced translators, have talked about how when they're doing a revision for a New Testament, sometimes they'll find that the computers just all break down all at once. <laughs> uh, and it's maybe hard to pinpoint that and say that's the work of the devil, yeah. you know, but uh, there are a number of things like that, or relational things, or sickness, or whatever that comes up. So we pray for, ask people to pray for protection against spiritual attack. It really is God's work more than ours. Help pray that we remember that and not be fearful. Um, and then for the for the people themselves, as you know, the publication of Daniel that's coming out that's a complicated book. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pastor John has a pre-publication copy of it, and he says it's it's complicated. It's yeah. difficult to preach. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so to pray for them that really for it's amazing to me how little education the likes of Pastor John has he can read Mm -hmm. it's kind of painstaking but he can read beyond that he has no access to commentaries or any of the things that you as as pastors of you know in an English speaking context stuff we take completely for granted so prayer for people like him who are responsible for leading a flock you know and with very few resources and then for his flock and for the many people in that community who are nominal Christians who don't really know the gospel at all. Yeah. They're, they're just in with the crowd, you know. Uh, they're Christians because they're in a Christian community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Guys, thank you so much. And be assured of our prayer for you guys as a, as a family and as a translation team and also for the, the community as well. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Thank you. Thank you. The same day we spoke to Jeremiah and Lydia, we also had the privilege of going to visit a community of the people group for whom they are translating the scriptures. As you just heard Jeremiah say, the people group are referred to in external correspondence by a pseudonym, Kanu. In this next interview, I had the great privilege of talking with Pastor John, a pastor of and from the Kanu people. On a couple of occasions during this interview, you'll hear something that I say bleeped out. When we were recording the interview, I accidentally referred to the people named by their real name, not the Kanu pseudonym. The pseudonym is used to protect the communities and individuals and the translation team as there are some cultural and religious sensitivities regarding the work and ministry of Bible translation with the Kanu people. So 
For safety and security reasons, we bleeped out the couple of times I used the proper name accidentally. Here's my interview with Pastor John. Folks, it's my great pleasure to be able to introduce you to Pastor John. John is a pastor here in the community that we're visiting today. So thank you for, for speaking to us. John, can you tell us a little bit about when you first became a Christian? I became a Christian when I heard a pastor speaking to us many years ago. He explained to us about Christianity and the Christian faith, and we came to believe. The way it was, was that as Christians, we had to listen closely to what he said, to learn what he taught us and remember it. Then we'd go home and try and memorize it. As we grew in our faith, we'd see that if someone was sick, they'd need to be prayed over. And when they recovered from their sickness, we'd be strengthened in our faith. We'd go to worship every day and learn from the preacher as he taught us from the scriptures. Can you tell us a little bit about when you first got the scriptures in the language and how that benefited uh, your faith and also the faith of the, the people here in the community? Early on, we couldn't even read, and so we'd have to listen to teaching, listen to preaching, and learn from that. When we became Christians, that's how our faith grew and was strengthened, by listening to preaching and getting as much teaching as we could. We were taught to pray and make a request if we needed something. None of us could read, but we wanted to be able to. And so we prayed to God to give us knowledge and understanding. For my own case at least, God gave me the ability to read, so now I'm able to study his word for myself. In James chapter 1 verse 5, God promises that if we lack wisdom, he'll give it to us. And so I claim that and ask God to teach me to read. So now I'm able to read and study the Bible and learn from it. Can you read James chapter 1, verse 5? Verse 5? Yeah. ako lang pangitauna, ang ni Tuhan. Ati tantuya kabuanan pangitau, sabab magmuraru asal Tuhan maaakamemon. Mbaliya mag Mbaliya ang anal bang pagmurana. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. If there was something that the people who are listening to this back at home could pray for you and for your church, for your family and for your community, how can we pray for you? Uh, 
pray for the whole community. Pray that God will bless all of us here. Pray that they'll follow God's will, that they'll learn from his teaching, and that they'll become Christians. Pastor John, thank you so much for, for speaking. It's been a real pleasure. We pray, we pray for God's blessing over you and your community here. Thank you. Uh, folks, this is our fourth and final interview now. We're sitting down with our dear leader of our mission trip just now. Uh, so would you like to tell us... Um, who you are, tell us about your, your family and uh, and what your role at, at Wycliffe is, dear leader. <laughs> dear leader. Yes, I'm I'm Neil Graham. I'm um, Director of Church Engagement at Wycliffe Bible Translators. I am actually a very late stand-in for this trip. Um, uh, my colleague Ricky uh, was meant to be going. Unfortunately, he couldn't, so his loss was my gain. I got to come out with you guys. Um, I, I would say it really... It, it has been a privilege to go. I could, I could say many things. It has been a privilege to come with you out, <laughs> out here. Um, um, family, I am married to Charlie, and we have three wonderful kids, um, seven, five, and my youngest, she turns two tomorrow. So um, if the flights go well, I might be back home just in time for the cutting of the cake. Hope so. Brilliant. Uh, and can you tell us what your role then at Wycliffe is and how you came to, to be in that role? Yeah, so I've been involved in overseas mission and development for the best part of 11 years, but um, I, I joined as Director of Church and Engagement um, after doing a, a similar role in, a, in another organisation. And uh, as the Church Engagement team, essentially we exist to um, maintain and, and, and look after our relationships with all our, our church supporters. So. Uh, we we exist to serve the church, not the other way round. Um, and it's honestly one of the the best parts of my, my my job is just getting to connect with so many different churches from really different denominations mm. and cultural backgrounds. You all know that the Presbyterian Church in Ireland looks very different from an Elim Church in the south of England, for for example, but. They're, whilst they might all look very different, they're filled with people who are just passionate about mission and passionate about uh, giving people the opportunity, the same opportunity that we take for granted to have the Bible and a language that works for them best. Yeah, that's great. I know a lot of our listeners will be familiar with the name Wycliffe and may have heard of it. Uh, maybe you could give us a bit of an overview about what Wycliffe uh, does and what role it plays in, in Bible translation today. Yeah, so to give you some context, um, it, it's easy to think that um, now in the 21st century uh, with the globalisation, spread of English and everything else, that um, uh, Bible translation might not be, be necessary, that everybody um, either understands English or they already have the Bible in a, in a language that they understand. And, and actually that, that just isn't the case. Um, there are about one and a half billion people around the world who don't have the Bible uh, in their own language. That's one in five of the world's population. Wow. And, and, and that, that's the bottom line of why Wycliffe Bible Translators exist. We, we think that is simply wrong. Um, Bible poverty should not exist. 
and and we have an opportunity to change that. Um, so we we exist to support uh, projects around the world. There are th over two thousand translation projects on the go uh, right now, all around the world. Many more in the pipeline, um, and we exist to because we have the vision that one day there will be no people, no community in the world that does not have the word of God in their language. And and that's not because we want to see lots of Bibles on shelves all around the world. It's because we know that the word of the uh, word of God transforms individual lives, families, and it, it transforms communities. And that is why we want to see the word of God spread. We want to see transformation. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, one of the things we've been able to see out here is that Bible translation is so much more than just uh, you know two or three people sitting in a room with uh, you know the, the Hebrew and the Greek on one side of the table and a blank page on the other and it's just dry translation work. We've seen that there's so much more um, aspects of linguistics and orthography have been coming to the fore, um, but also in particular engagement with the the churches and the communities on the on the ground here, uh, out there. Your involvement is engagement with uh, churches really back in the in the UK and, and how they can partner with um, with Wycliffe. Can you can you give us a little bit of, a, of an insight into into what that looks like and why partnering with churches is important? You've touched on it already, but maybe just want to expand on that a little. Yeah, well, I will do, but let me go back just to how you started that but um, you're right that during this trip we have seen people uh, fulfilling so many different roles all of which form part of the, the tapestry of a bible translation project but many of which don't actually involve bible translation that's yeah. not a key part of the the job and and, th and that's a, a really key message that I, I like to get across we when you hear Wycliffe bible translators and you think of bible translation projects you assume you have to be good at languages mm. to to play a part and of course yes we're always looking for people with a passion for languages or linguistics um and we're blessed to have many many already among our, our members, but that's only a fraction of the roles that we, we need. And as we were, were encouraging the, um, the, the staff and the team here in Manila this morning, those translation roles only function because of all the other support roles around them. So whether it, uh, your background is in uh, finance or IT or any number of a uh, uh, number of different areas, um, there will be a role that you can make a difference in. So anyone who's listening, um, who's, who's tempted to, to inquire, please do. But moving on to your other question, where what does our partnership with churches look like? Well, first and foremost, um, as I say, it's through our partnership with, with churches that uh, we identify the next generation of um, mission workers or members, as we call them in, in, in Wycliffe, who will go out and, and serve on the translation projects. Um, it's the churches who send their, their, their missionaries, yeah. and that's as true for Wycliffe as it is for any other organisation. And that's our absolutely primary um, uh, part of our partnership. But then secondly of all, and as, as, as you've seen, um, these projects are incredible and more increasingly they're um, being resourced with 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 um, people from uh, the, the local community as yeah. well as from overseas but they can only do it if they've got the funding in place and so in increasingly we've been incredibly grateful for uh, financial partnership from churches as well who uh, perhaps don't have people within the congregation uh, who 
are able to go, but they do perhaps have financial resources that they want to use in a, in a, uh, as an extension of their 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 mission. Um, and so that's the the other other part of our, um, our, our partnership. Okay. Uh, finally, then, how can we pray for you and your work? Um, and how can we then pray more broadly for the work of, of Wycliffe Bible yeah. Translators then in general? So prayer is, 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 is absolutely key. So please do pray um, above uh, sending and above giving. Those two only function if uh, the people of God are praying. Uh, so please do pray. Uh, Pray for, uh, pray for the workers. The, 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 the harvest is plentiful, the labourers are few. Isn't that right? Uh, is, is, uh, it is uh, absolutely the case. Um, there is so much more that could be done um, if we, uh, we had the people to, to do it. So pray for the workers. Pray, yes, as well, for the financial resources. Um, and then specifically, uh, pray for the, the, the people here in the Philippines engaged um, in the translation project. We have seen over the last week people in sometimes doing incredibly dangerous uh, ministries, frankly, um, in, in pursuing translation projects and Bible distribution in, in places that are hostile to the gospel. Uh, that's all I can, I can say because it, it's too sensitive to be able to give details. So pray, pray for, for boldness, but wise boldness, and, and pray for their protection as they fulfil their calling. Okay, we will, and we'll pop um, a link to the Wycliffe website into our show notes so that you guys who are listening at home can uh, can read up a little bit more. And there's a link as well. Wycliffe provide a weekly uh, prayer email that's sent out to, to individuals and churches as well. And so we'll... you can also find us on social media. Uh, so look for us on uh, whether you're on Facebook, Insta or Twitter, you can find us there. That's great. We'll provide the links to all of those in the show notes. Neil, thank you very much for leading our team and making sure that none of us got eaten by something ferocious out here in the Philippines and also for coordinating but also for your work in ministry and in Wycliffe in general you're a great blessing to the church so so thank you thank you Craig and thanks for talking to us as well folks thanks for listening Craig you are shortly coming home and you know there's going to be the inevitable trip through the airport are you going to bring home some tack for us oh absolutely I'll bring you home some uh, some chocolate. useless piece of well, maybe some chocolate if you want. The chocolate isn't great out here to be honest, but listen, I'll bring you home some airport tat of some description. Or here, how about this? Rather than me bring you home some airport tat, how about I get some airport tat and we have that as our giveaway this week instead of a, a book for a change. Greg, I think that sounds like a wonderful idea. So if listeners, you want to like retweet this episode's announcement on Twitter. Uh, you can follow PCICast at PCICast, or Craig at Rookie Minister, or myself at Ben S. Preston. And Craig will probably, Craig, will you take a picture of what you're bringing home for us so the, so the, the folk know what, what, what's in store? Absolutely. I will post a picture of Airport Tat on my Twitter feed as soon as I buy it. Great, Craig. We can't wait to see you home. Safe travels. Thank you for... Um, bringing us that uh, insight into the ministry there and uh, we pray for journey and mercies for you and the, the rest of, of, of the team coming thanks a million and folks thanks again for listening and we'll see you again next time thanks for listening to PCI Cast. 
Join us again next time for another conversation about life and faith in the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Twitter using at PCICast. See you next time. Did you do Richie? I think you did. Richie Cronin. Um, Richie Cronin. Do you want me to start? Uh, where you go. Well, hello and welcome to PCICast. I'm Ben Preston and with me in the Philippines we have... Reverend... Hello. Oh, no, it's all gone crackly. Let's try again. <laughs> Let's try again.